This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to NL versus NL. I can't shout over you. I'll tell you why. I separate this right now. Are you a Maoist sir? Let's make debates great again. NL versus NL. Hello and welcome to another wonderful episode of NL versus NL. This is episode 12 and this is going to be a very special episode because we are mixing things up a little bit and changing uh, the number of participants this time. Usually we have a one versus one debate on a particular issue. This time we are going to have a four person debate. It's going to be one v one v one v one. So it's going to be an amazing debate because the topic today is what is better libertarianism capitalism communism or socialism and the wonderful people who are joining me today are all subscribers of news laundry and i will introduce them one by one i will take their names and they will tell you who what they are representing today so first up jefferson hi and i am representing libertarianism and then dhruv hi i am representing capitalism then umesh as communism Agior communism. That's amazing. <laughs> and then Saloni. Uh, hi, I'm Saloni, and I'll be representing socialism. Amazing. And these four are going to battle it out and help us make debates great again. The thing about ideologies is that a lot of people have a lot of interpretations about ideologies, but then when it comes to fighting about it, uh, everybody likes to curse the other one and diss them. so today i hope we will have certain definitions of the ideology these people are representing being put out and then being argued in favor of that particular ideology so without any further ado let us get into this very special debate of nl versus nl first up libertarianism jefferson yeah uh, so one of the key uh, things about libertarianism is uh, personal liberty and you know we are in a country which has like absolutely people don't value personal liberty and there are even no laws that protect personal liberty and again that's because people don't value it naturally the laws are also being reflected it in that way i mean free speech is an absolute joke journalists are getting thrown in jail left right and center the people who get openly lynched out on the street and very well educated people look at that and they say well yeah that you know that's the right right thing to do you know and it's it's unbelievable because we have absolutely no value for other people we do, don't have value for other people's rights over there and look at the caa law this law the origin story of this law itself is anxiety from outsiders people coming from another country over here what if the open borders concept is not just about that there is no physical border lines on a map but the basic idea is that there is free exchange of uh, people people can freely move from one country to other without any issues and also free exchange of goods and just look at even starting up something as simple as a restaurant in india has some hundreds of different licenses and, and so many contradictory rules like why do we need a license for just playing music inside a bar over there and there are like even in a restaurant to have maybe alcohol there's a separate set of license and there's a separate contradictory uh, set of 
rules and regulations for that. Okay, now on to capitalism. Capitalism is the best out of all the systems that we have. Not saying that it's an ideal system, but it's the best as I think somebody has said that democracy is the best out of the worst systems we have, something on that lines. Uh, so what is capitalism? Capitalism, capitalism basically is an economic system based on supply and demand in general market where private individuals transact with each other and it is based on three fundamental tenets which is private property, rule of law and ability to enforce contracts. Now, the evidence is overwhelmingly in favor of capitalism if you see in terms of lifting people out of poverty or creating general prosperity and wellness. I don't think in India we need to look uh, beyond the 1991 liberalization, which has been able to pull more than 300 million people out of poverty, as well as increase our GDP per capita by, I think, 31 times is the last time I had checked. Not to say that capitalism, pure unfettered form of capitalism in an unequal society is bound to lead to issues uh, like overuse of resources or crony capitalism, which are processes that can be addressed through regulations as well as the unequal social strata in our society can be addressed with issues or mechanisms like affirmative action or reservations as our society has itself chosen to. The main reason why capitalism has the most chance of succeeding is the alignment of incentives that it gives you. In a sense that an entrepreneur is able to spot a market opportunity or a need that people require to further their lives. And on the other side, people are ready to pay a part or a or, or impart with a sum of money on the other end. So there's a clear incentive alignment that happens, which on a unit level happens and which on at scale in the population also leads to overall a positive outcome for both. So it is the only form in which you get, it's not a zero sum game, but it's a positive sum game that happens. So capitalism in along with regulations are what I prefer as the best system. And now on to communism. Good afternoon, guys. I'd like to begin by thanking News Laundry for this opportunity because, um, yeah, this is this is not so often when we people of different sides of the ideological divide sits calmly and then have a discussion, especially during the times when the definition of the debate has taken several new forms thanks to the new age media houses. And as for the debates, go, I'm a little out of practice, but I hope I can still contribute to a healthy discussion. Speaking of communism, it's important, like we were discussing before, the definitions are correct. Communism is a system of social organization that has never never been truly tried and these days never truly explained as well. You could read Marx for yourself, Karl Marx for yourself, and of course find that his communism is not made of these dreary monsters that we often you know, attribute communism to, but instead a complex, complex reasoning towards a future social evolution. Of course, many of its features may even be acceptable to your conservative aunt, if only she read them. Uh, but given that Marx is tough and his language is tough and we're pretty busy making profit for capitalists or lay, let's have a quick summary. First up, I'm sure you know socialism, communism, and libertarianism are not interchangeable words just because members of alt-right hurl these terms from a patchwork bag of insults doesn't mean that they have the same, uh, they have the distinct meanings. Communism is an economic, political, and social system in which all property and resources are collectively owned by a class-free society rather than individual citizens. As for the Communist Manifesto, the brilliant work by Marx and Engels in the in 1848, 
which is so much relevant even today. Communism results in a society in which all people are equal and there is really no need for money or accumulation of individual wealth. There is no private ownership. There is uh, a central government controlling all facets of production and distribution of uh, resources to the people who are in need. Communist is a socialist, but a socialist is not necessarily a communist. Following Marxist theory, the communist believes that socialism is a historical phase that precedes communism and follows capitalism. Okay, and now on to socialism. Good evening. I very much agree with my friend Amish when he says that all uh, socialists are not uh, communists and vice versa. I mean, communism and socialism have the end goal in common, which is to ensure a society which has uh, which has social equality, but the means, the end goal is the same that both communism and socialism want social equality, but uh, when it comes to the method, uh, socialism does not have a revolutionary approach towards achieving social equality. It is more, uh, you can say, uh, it wants to capture power through ballot and then bring out the change in society. In, in that sense, socialism is kind of a a uh, mixture of say communi- of communism and capitalism in that if you find capitalism and communism to be the, uh, to be two most extreme ideologies socialism is kind of a middle path which uh, which incorporates the end goal of social equality but at the same time it also accepts that uh, that ownership uh, it also accepts that there should be private ownership and it believes in mixed economy uh, so in that ways i think socialism is a, a, a kind of a marriage between these two opposite ideologies uh, which have their own drawbacks so uh, just to give an example uh, my friend Adhubi has stated that uh, post-1991 reforms of uh, India's GDP has grown uh, which is true but what is also true is that post those reforms India has become one of the most unequal countries in the world so uh, our we rank 147 out of 157 countries in terms of the inequality index uh, you know, India's wealthiest 10% owns 77.4% of total national wealth. Now, in such uh, figures, it would be tempting to revert to the system of communism. Uh, basically, my point is that uh, socialism is kind of a middle path between these two extreme ideologies, which is why India should adopt a socialism in form of there should be a welfare state, which ensures uh, that there is private participation in economy, but also that uh, the profits of those, uh, you know, the profit or the income that is generated or the capital that is generated is used for uh, uh, is used for the welfare. Now on to round two, and communism wants to start first. So communism. All right. When we were talking in the opening statements about how capitalism is free, just a quick anecdote on that is capitalism is essentially a demand constrained economy, like. Drove mentioned as well. Its inherent logic of pursuit of profits lead to rapid growth of society's ability to produce, no doubt about it. But competition among capitalists and the conflict between the capitalists and the workers and the kind of surplus that is created out of labor to make the profits of the capitalists result in rapid mechanization, rapid unemployment, and rapid inequalities that uh, Sidoni was referring to as well before. The, the rapid unemployment and rapid mechanization, of course, also results in limiting the growth in the consuming power of the society, of course, which is also a testament to the inequalities that you see. So capitalism is not really free. 
by no means. Uh, it is in fact truly, if you look at it from a different point of view, it is in fact a liberty destroying um, uh, system because instead of doing what one would want to do, people are really compelled to live as per the wishes of those who own the capital. In other words, those who pay them. Capitalism would like to go next. So um, one thing that capitalism has, which is that it aligns itself with the human nature well. Now, we might all want to say that other systems uh, promise more higher or more virtuous goals. And uh, you can say that pursuit of profit in itself, not a goal towards to be, to, be as to aspire for. But the reality of the fact is that it's an objective goal. Now, the, the beauty of the capitalist system is that it's an incentive-aligned objective goal that everyone knows that we are behind this goal, which leads to cooper- maximum cooperation between players. That is why So I have been clear from the start that it is the best out of worst systems. It is by no means the perfect system to aspire for, but it is the most workable system. Uh, socialism would like to interject saying that uh, you talked about incentives a lot, right? Now, when we talk about incentives, my point was that capitalism is using this incentive uh, as an excuse to, uh, to you know, uh, to ensure that there is minimum regulation. Socialism, on the other hand, sees through this uh, incentive excuse. And uh, so the basic idea behind socialism is that the excess capital or the excess not, uh, not capital, but the excess profit that has been generated is equally distributed uh, throughout the society. And this is to be done by state intervention. Libertarianism here. Communism and socialism are failed ideologies. It has failed so spectacularly that in the West, when they, whenever their people go going out and saying socialism, socialists or communists, they're not talking about 1970s China or 1970s USSR or Cuba or Venezuela. They're basically talking about a highly hyper-capitalistic country with strong welfare system. That's all. This is what they mean. And even China, the reason why China made this big pivot from being a capitalist is that they realized that in order to escape poverty, that some level of capitalism has to be introduced over there. And that's what happened in China. That's why they gave up communism and they have some a bastardized version of mix of uh, communism and capitalism over there. That's what is happening over there. Speaking of communism, never really tried or never really, you know, being a successful. There is a running joke from I think seventies or eighties where I think the the champions of the the um, capitalism and communism and and you know all these Boris Yeltsin, for example, from USSR and Reagan and and um, I don't remember who was leading China at the time shamefully so but they were sitting in a bar and then talking about what what is a diary they were all going in a car what uh, if, if they were all going in a car and there is a junction where they have to take a left and right which direction would they say reagan said that take a right and boris yeltsin said that they will take a left china said that they will give left indicator and take a right so you know the, the fact is that the communism that we think that exists in China is never really uh, it's not really a true form of communism it is a, what is known as a state capitalism uh, the failure or success of which has nothing to do with the the beliefs and tenets of the communism 
socialism would like to interject here i refuse to believe that socialism is a failed ideology uh, we should just look at the example of nordic countries uh, sweden nor uh, sweden norway finland uh, these countries uh, follow democratic socialism they have high rates of income tax and not only that they have a strong robust social security uh, social security network uh, there the private sector and the public sector collaborate to ensure that there is uh, you know there is maximum employment and that uh, in in uh, in these societies there is no minimum wage because the wages are kept at a high rate so if we need to follow an example we should uh, if india wishes to follow an example then i would highly recommend the nordic example which uh, maintains high wages and uh, at the same time uh, has a high social security net and is a collaboration between the private and the public sector so i am happy that socialism has made a case for more capitalism so uh, the nordic countries actually enjoy the highest rankings in ease of doing business uh, as well as the uh, innovation index in these countries is extremely high because these countries make it easiest for you and invest the most in the ideas of their individuals so actually these countries are the best of both worlds in a sense that they come in with strong regulations to establish a basic social safety net no doubt but the excess capital that is generated due to the great business practices in these countries is what results in that system so social a big problem that exists with socialism is the zero sum game that they assume now when we say india post liberalization has been able to produce a lot of excess income a lot of that excess income has actually gone into our social security systems one of the biggest learnings in this pandemic for everyone has been the direct benefits transfer and the amazing cash transfer which in the middle of the lockdown you were able to do as a result of the investment you did in those resources and the excess tax that you got as a result of liberalization this would not have been possible if you did not have any excess money to redistribute so it was capitalism which allowed that excess capital to be accumulated for redistribution communism interjects if anything if anything the money that went into the public sector or public uh, you know care has only gotten much much lesser after the liberalization i'm sure there are statistics around the kind of money that we used to spend on education health and and you know uh, housing etc pre 90s and post 90s is a testament to that but but before i just to just to in the you know just to make sure that we are not getting lost in the jargon of what is really happening in the scandinavia living myself in denmark right now i can this is actually not a socialism this is a social democratic system um the fact that denmark and couple of other scandinavian countries have ease of doing you know business better is not to do with whether or not the, the system itself is capitalist it is to do with the fact that they are social democratic Uh, economic model, which basically taxes the rich way higher than any of the other capitalist states, the so-called famous capitalist countries like US does. Socialism would like to reject. I I agree with uh, my friend Amish here when he says that uh, the uh, post-liberalization, the the ratio of the percentage of GDP which has gone into public health is like zero point nine percent. 
less than one percent in public health, which is why we also see right now that the number of cases, coronavirus cases in India, are rising, and that is because we haven't used that excess capital to actually enhance our human capital. So, social security is one thing in which they invest, but Nordic countries are also uh, famous for investing in formation, creating human capitalism. That is high investments in education and healthcare. Uh, India lacks, uh, like I have spoken about the healthcare statistics, but also we are unable to, uh, you know, invest even six percent of our GDP in education, which is why even though we are able to provide uh, universe, we have universal universalization of primary education, but the quality is poor, and when it comes to say secondary or higher secondary education, uh, our numbers are very very low. Uh, not only that, uh, the uh, female to, uh, I mean, uh, the uh, gender disparity in uh, uh, in education is also very very high. So it's like fifteen or seventeen uh, points of gap, uh, literacy gap between men and women in India, and uh, I mean gender equality is again a strong suit of the Nordics. So uh, yeah. So scientific, technological innovations, advancements cannot happen in a full-on capitalistic. Sorry, in a full-on communistic or a socialistic country absolutely cannot because a certain level of freedom economic freedom as well as personal freedom is needed for innovation to take place and that's why we see these kind of innovations in countries which value these kind of things yeah uh, so uh, like i was saying socialism like i, I made my starting comments uh, socialism is a uh, kind of a marriage between communism and capitalism so yes a uh, social democracy uh, it uh, accepts capitalism as the only way to generate wealth but it also uh, kind of uh, works on its drawback that is it ensures that the uh, capital that is produced is distributed equally among the society you know, the, the, see, the, the thing is that you, you, your fight, you're, you are actually advocating for democratic socialism, but uh, that is the thing. So you are seeing that some level of capitalism is involved, some kind of economic incentive is needed, some kind of freedom is needed for innovation to take place. You are admitting that that's this over restriction of the government coming, telling that, you know, you have to do this, that's it. If you don't do this, that's it, we'll throw you in jail. That kind of very over suffocation doesn't work. I think you are, I believe you are admitting that. No, what I am actually admitting, I'm not admitting uh, in what the government is doing or not doing. I'm just admitting uh, the ideology of socialism is based on accepting uh, capitalism as the only way of generating income, but at the same time ensuring that that capital is equally distributed among the society. So I'm I'm not saying that uh, you know social uh, I mean socialism suffocates innovation or uh, or capitalism gives a boost to innovation. Uh, I'm I'm not making that point at all. I'm just saying what socialism basically stands for. Evidence to to this is um, communism, by the way. There is no real evidence to you know conclude either way of whether or not capitalism or socialism promotes innovation or or, or you know. The reason why they say uh, it promotes innovation is that both capitalism and socialism they believe in individual rights. Whereas when we saw in communist states of say take China or Russia, there's heavy censorship and there is uh, little to no freedom of speech uh, or and uh, 
you know freedom is uh, said to be one of the you know uh, highest goals of uh, you know uh, promoting uh, human development and that is why uh, it is said that generally uh, more open and uh, more open uh, societies uh, and liberal societies uh, are able are good at innovation that's where the problem comes in socialistic and communistic countries somehow slip and fall down into di- dictatorship then that's where the problem comes in that's where the nervousness is there the fact that some countries fall into the dictatorship dictatorship is nothing to do with where they start from uh, there are many other countries which are not socialistic or communistic that have fallen into dictatorship as well however the soviet style communism i think we need to acknowledge that the soviet style communism failed it is it is a matter of the fact but it is failed not because it was intrinsically evil or not because it was disincentivizing innovation or uh you know restricting freedom of speech etc but because it was flawed it allowed too few people to usurp too much power and that's exactly what resulted in uh, in in the uh, soviet style communism and most likely uh, china probably in a different direction leading into a totalitarian dictatorships they, they are not so they are not communist or socialist states anymore the, the ideology of socialism and communism is no way to be seen at the time when the soviet style communism has failed and even now when the china is proclaiming to be led by a communist party uh, i mean see, uh, here once again like you said that there was concentration of power in certain places and i think this is where this is one of the disadvantages of this centralized government system because there are a bunch of few people say that these are the people who are going to do this nobody the that this there's a certain allocation over there you do this you do this and then that's where this concentration of power happens so only very few people that that's where you know this break this authority when this power is concentrated in one place that's where this authoritarianism develops that's where the lack of innovation happens that's where free speech is attacked communism interjects this is exactly this is exactly i'm actually glad we're talking about concentration of the power because this is exactly what communism is fundamentally opposed to communism the, the fundamental tenet of communism is to have collective ownership by the entire society not by individual citizens not citizens who have capital not citizens who have power it is the entire resources of the of the state of the country of the world i wouldn't even limit this to you know being a discussion centered around india but of the world of the, the entire society by classless free, class free society not by individual citizens that's exactly what the fundamental tenet of communism is this is capitalism so communism has been talking about fundamental tenets but on paper what happens is when you let those tenets flow sooner or later human nature creeps in and the misalignment of incentives start happening because it's impossible to account for the aspirations of a billion people it's uh, so we indian india saw very uh, planned econo- economy move which was demonetization which was on a central level you took a decision and you thought that you have the resources to account for the aspirations of a billion people and guess what the incentives were not aligned with the rest of the population and it led to utter chaos to which we still suffer planned economies on a communistic level are not enough because the aspirations of a billion people are completely different and it is impossible as per evidence at least as of now and i completely agree and acknowledge your point on the concentration of power and i will even give you another point that 
technology has actually exacerbated that as well as i will also grant that innovation can happen in a planned economy ussr space tech was way ahead of us in 1991 as was evidenced by i think elon musk also but that does not mean that capitalism cannot promote innovation it actually in a ideally capitalistic society it is creative self destruction is an organic process that happens and an actual capitalistic society does high investment in its public because it's the public which will lead to new ideas and new businesses that will lead to creative destruction that will lead to uh, wiping away of ossified structures and creation of a new power so what happens actually is in capitalistic societies where you see misalignment it is where crony capitalism starts coming in where lobbying starts where concentration of power starts happening in an actual capitalistic society which is decently well regulated so that cartel things like cartelizations or oligopoly does not happen in these cases the where you are fundamentally sticking to the alignment of incentives is as per evidence what lasts for a long period of time over Communism. Just uh, one last, uh, you know, because this is important. Right. You know, I've, Marx says again. I mean, this this is a guy who wrote things almost two hundred years ago, which are way more more and more interesting today. The history of all hitherto existing society is a history of class struggles. There is an enormous amount of importance to understanding the class definition and the kind of class struggles we have. In a slave economy, most of us were slaves. In feudal economy, most of us were peasants. In a capitalist economy, we became servants of the capitalists. that's exactly what you know there, there is no true freedom to do what the, the the freedom that capitalism espouses so much is not re, it's it's a it's an illusion of consent like i mentioned in the opening comments and i'll probably also expand in the in the conclusions as well that there is this illusion of consent in the capitalism is is merely an illusion and it is only subject to the needs and the whims of those who own the capital capitalism would like to make one last yeah. point so um, just one actually fact check i wanted to do was that in terms of absolute level of spend that we do on public education and healthcare indian economy has expanded 10 times from 1991 till 2018 so just by basic math even if you were doing 6% of a very small number you are now doing 1% of a very large number so the absolute number is immensely large than what we ever did before 1991 in terms of investment into education and healthcare over but not the percentage of the overall gdp i think that's important too over okay so that was a that was round 2 and i think i am going to uh, give round 3 first to saloni because she has a lot to say yeah so uh, i do stand by my statement when i say that uh, socialism is the way ahead for the indian economy and uh, uh, a socialism with a strong welfare state in which the state uh actively intervenes in the economy so as to ensure that there is less unemployment that jobless growth reduces in india uh for that i think it is very essential that we have uh, an uh, you know active intervention interventionist welfare state which corrects these defects of uh, which are caused by you know rapid capitalism uh, which india has seen in these past 25 30 years also i'd like to make a quick point regarding libertarianism so uh, libertarianism is basically uh, libertarianism does not believe in distribution of wealth uh, libertarianism uh, believes in self ownership and because it believes in self ownership one of the uh, main crosses that is that it has is it does not allow uh, you know uh, 
redistribution of wealth it is extremely against redistribution of wealth and extreme capitalists like milton friedman and uh, frederick hayek uh, you know uh, had this kind of a uh, classical liberal view which is nothing but the libertarian view uh, which uh, accepted capitalism with all its flaws and advocated free market capitalism or a less uh, sorry a laissez faire capitalism which uh, absolutely did not allow any kind of state intervention and which is which was one of the main causes why socialism as an ideology grew against the injustices uh, uh, against the you know kind of uh, rap, uh, inequality rap, uh, you know uh, inequality that was seen in the western societies after the industrial revolution had had begun I would like to rest my case. Thank you. Uh, Umesh, you want to go next? Uh, you know, just extending what I was talking about class struggles and and how important it is to understand classes because we're talking about different economic theories. You know, I was talking about slave economies, feudal economies, and capitalist economy. In this, I mean, this is important because it is extremely uh, you know relevant for us to know what is known as surplus because that is the fundamental uh, you know uh, on which capitalism. rests its its uh, its case its uh, you know entire uh, philosophy is to use that surplus to make in the pursuit of profits it is the surplus of the labor that basically feeds into the masters in this used to feed into the masters of the slave economy used to feed into the in the masters or rather the 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 lords in the feudal economy and then in the capitalistic or in the capitalist that's essentially what the class struggle is all about it's important that we know about it and in a world where profit making and the accumulation of wealth is celebrated as a virtue uh the 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 pursuit of profits is such a such an important virtue unless of course some kind of a fraud some kind of a detection of the fraud or violation of law in the cases of you know people like mr mal and many other examples unless that comes out accumulation of wealth is always seen as a, is a, as a virtue but you know there is real you know that leads us to not finding what kind of bottom lines that really matter speaking of income inequalities just extending the statistics into world as per the oxfam report that was released in january 2020 2153 people in 2019 have more wealth between them than 4.8 billion people world's richest 1% have more than twice as much wealth as 6.9 billion people just imagine taxing an additional additional 0.5 percentage of wealth of the richest 1% over the next 10 years is equal to investments needed to create 117 million jobs in education health and healthcare with all of that background i'd like to just very quickly uh, you know for a prosperous and truly content society just couple of things that we need one to decommodify labor many of us already experience the benefits of decommodification of some goods like education healthcare essentially intended to protect certain domains of our lives where market based profit driven forces imagine extending that to basically everything that impacts our lives that is decommodification of labor as soon as that is done once the labor is liberated from the pressures of the market and the nature of the market itself changes it ceases from realm of imperatives and becomes one of opportunities and the second is to eliminate workers alienation from their labor workers own the product of their labor is what is really needed and that's what communism exposes 
to reduce vast social and political inequality brought about by the capitalism. That's the third important point that communism brings, and that is what is needed for a truly prosperous society. Fourth, to destroy capital's control over politics, society, and economy. Fifth, to enable everything produced becoming available to everyone by living through the spirit of what Karl Marx said 200 years ago, almost 180 years ago, from each according to his ability to each according to his need. These five fronts are only a rough sketch of how uh, an equal and just society lives. For those of you who thinks one, just 10 more seconds, for those of you who thinks that this is too idealistic, to be hopeful and idealistic in bad times is not just foolishly romantic. It is based on the fact that human history is a history not just of cruelty, but also of compassion, sacrifice, courage, and kindness. If we do act in however small way, we don't have to wait for some grand utopian future. The future is an infinite succession of presents and to live now as we think human beings should live in defiance of all that is bad around us is itself a wonderful victory as said by Howard Zinn before he died. That is my case. Okay, uh, libertarianism, you want to go? I just want to say, when it comes to a country like India, 90% of our problems can be solved through libertarianism whether it is with respect to casteism, communism, or linguism, or anything, or even with respect to government, the, the broken government system that we have, that even if we want to start a company or just something as simple as building a house, that how hard it is to just move some, go to a government office and move something. So these things, like some kind of a more of a limited government, uh, saying more efficient government, that can be achieved through having, and libertarianism is not just about changing the laws or about the economic system, but it's also about the value system that, as a value that how we practice it over there. So, and another thing is that libertarianism is not against redistribution of wealth. A lot of libertarians are philanthropists over there. And uh, for me personally, again, I don't think that there is anything wrong with welfare, especially for a country like India. It is very much unavoidable. To, uh, we, we should have some kind of the welfare system in place. And also, again, we are having this, this uh, what I was talking about with the border disputes that we are having, whether it is with Pakistan or China or Bangladesh, these kind of border disputes also can be solved through libertarianism over there. And uh, I think libertarianism gets a bad rap because thanks to the American libertarianisms who come up with some really strange ideas over there. But I think when it comes to India, there are a lot of, a lot of those principles that we can actually apply over there to solve both social problems, economic problems, as well as governance problems making the government government more efficient. That's all. Last word for capitalism. Yeah, so uh, I think Adam Smith had said that it is not from the benevolence of the butcher, the baker, that we expect our dinner, but with regard to their own interest, we address ourselves not to their humanity, but to their self-love and never talk to them of our own necessities, but of their advantages. I think one of the most succinct lines that he said, which clearly, again, told of how capitalism inherently relates to human nature and does not act pompously uh, as communism does a lot of times. I know it, it sounds very idealistic and good when you hear each according to ability and each according to his need, but you need to then provide the opportunities for someone to do that. 
and in a planned economy it's not the person but somebody else who's planning what your need is and what your ability is in india we lost so many potential of so many great entrepreneurs in the pre 1991 era because we constrained them as per our planned economy that they could only produce this much or they could only do this much so i think the alignment of every person with what they would want to do and want to maximize their potential is what capitalism gives you as i think i have iterated earlier also a true capitalistic society will actually invest the most in its people will like to create more advanced technologies and re- which will lead to creative self destruction and which will lead to actually uh, washing away of ossified structures and new spirits to come out one of the and and where i am clearly asking for regulation is in fields uh, so we actually live in at the end of the day our earth is constrained by its resources so unfettered capitalism may lead to over exploitation of environment over use of resources and in a fundamentally unequal society from its start you need to have regulations which can at least help everyone with equality of opportunity i think what human beings crave is a system where you have a chance for upward mobility because everyone wants to make the best out of themselves at the end of the day it is where you reduce the chance for this upward mobility is where you go down so a lot of talk has been about the increase in inequality but the, all that talk fails to mention the number of people which have been pulled out of abject poverty in the past 30 40 years china and india compare com- cumulatively have pulled out 1 billion people out of abject poverty at, over the period of just the last 40 years itself so i fail to understand how a system in which 1 billion people have can now at least go to sleep with uh, stomach with food in their stomachs is bad opposed to a system in which you had a fundamentally less equal society but a more but 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 a hungrier and a far um, less healthier society uh, so evidence based according to the human nature capitalism is the best out of the four worst systems that we have okay that was amazing you guys i mean i think this was one of the best nl versus nl episodes and i am so happy you all came very prepared with your points thank you so much for this parikshit what do you think yeah it was pretty cool man like <laughs> <laughs> where are you leaning parikshit where are you leaning my yeah, we, we'd like uh, to know where you both are leaning at yeah <laughs> yeah yeah because we we, we know the views of uh, abhinandan for sure <laughs> parikshit where are you leaning my leanings are somewhere between socialism and communism i guess <laughs> yeah i i'm leaning i'm leaning socialism uh, because i genuinely believe what saloni said that hey but lekin one thing a yeah. true socialist true socialism adheres to the idea of radically reaching social equality so hmm. saloni has taken a very nordic country form socialism very conveniently <laughs> it actually bechara i was feeling bad for umesh because it became three versus one because saloni in the shuru mein bol de ki nahi dekho main capitalism ke to side hu par wo baki sab ke liye socialism acha hai you know uh, you know i completely agree on that point but the thing is that when we talk about uh, like socialism so uh, i i do agree that in some ways the actual idea of socialism was to a uh, reduced social inequality right but what happened was that when uh, so at the very beginning uh, socialism was very radical but as uh, cap- i mean as uh, the as it failed uh, no 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 no, no, no. Uh, 
19 in in 19th century when industrial revolution took place that was the time when we had these uh, first generation urban people who were, who were slum dwellers and you know uh, so during that time when there was actually abject poverty there was you know uh, child labor and you know women were paid less and then it was in that time that socialism was very much radical but as uh, you know as uh, the you can say as cap, uh, the benefits of capitalism you know grew in society that is when socialism lost its revolutionary touch and uh, which is why when i spoke of democratic socialism that is the kind of socialism that uh, uh, you know that came uh, after socialism and communism split Suddenly, so I I I think you know like one thing that I would like to say about socialism, and I think you know that is why I actually am leaning towards socialism as well, is because you know socialism is very convenient because it can take the best of all ideologies and incorporate it within itself. You know, like it's not really, it cannot be really radical even if it wants to. because it can take like the best parts of capitalism libertarianism and communism and then you're like ha ha socialist hai so it is true yeah, exactly. yeah, in fact for socialism to exist there has to be capitalism already yeah. working at its peak and, yes. and yes which is why uh, after the 19 i mean in 1950s which is why we find that uh, socialism uh, started you know with, uh, you know in the 70s maybe started reducing its because uh, the countries which were growing at a fast rate their economy started uh, you know uh, contracting and uh-huh. Yeah, but com- communism has a very strong case these days to make, uh, especially on that uh, class struggle. Ka Since Piketty has come up with this observation hmm. that uh, only six percent of uh, no, most of the wealth created in the market has actually come out of inheritance. Yeah, that has created a very strong empirical point for communism. Or not communism per se, but at least increase in tax but rates. Distribution of wealth so, in general. Yes. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, okay. We cannot get into another debate because we have gone on long <laughs> enough. Uh, just quickly, guys, please tell us uh, where people can reach you, Jefferson. Where can people dis uh, libertarianism? Jefferson one Simon Twitter. Okay, uh, Dhruv. Where can people dis uh, capitalism? Uh, Dumbo at work Twitter. Dumbo at work. Okay, uh, Saloni. Where can people dis socialism? Uh, I'd like to give my email ID. Uh, Uh, Saloni Dangwal yeah. at the rate yahoo.com. Okay, and Umesh, where can people praise all ca- communist countries? <laughs> oh, we're doing this. Uh, Umesh, Umesh Ayushi on Facebook. I'm not very active on Twitter. It's quite toxic. Okay, and other than that, if you want to like reach out to either of them, you can write to contact at newslaundry.com. Please write NL versus NL as the subject. and they will get the email i assure you they will get the email uh, dissing or praising them uh, this can actually spark a lot of emails i know this because <laughs> the most emails we have gotten for nl versus nl is veganism versus <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and i i genuinely believe this will be the second most email like uh, i'm glad you said second most megna because we don't <laughs> want to beat that no <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you so much guys Thank you so much for a participating, and thank you so much for subscribing to News Laundry. Uh, you guys are the ones who keep us alive, and you guys are the ones who pay our salaries. So thank you so much, and thank you for spending this Friday night uh, debating with people. <laughs> All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes, and any other podcast platform. 
Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.